As you can see from the screen, we're going to read from John's Gospel, uh, chapter 3, starting from verse 1 to verse 8. It's on page 1065 in the Church Bibles. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can anyone be born again when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Brian. Um, let's pray before we uh, look at this. Our Heavenly Father, I pray as we look at this that we would uh, be filled with joy at that new life that you give us, uh, all of us here. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, born again. Uh, you must be born again, says Jesus. And that's the... Um, uh, the, the phrase perhaps that leaps out at you in this passage and as Andrew rightly said <clears throat> uh, it's really one of the most exciting chapters of the Bible um, and, uh, and, and I guess that's why so few verses and yet these so few verses are so so rich um, and it's a central phrase isn't it born again possibly one of the most famous phrases of the Bible um, born again because it uh, defines the whole nature uh, of the Christian life. Um, isn't it interesting that during this past uh, week, we've heard the stories of people who have found new life in Jesus Christ. Um, we heard from Jo, who found new life uh, in the church that she was raised in. We've heard from Bogdan, uh, who's been greatly blessed uh, as a refugee uh, and has found new life there. We heard from Gary, an obsessive and successful businessman uh, who found new life uh, when his life uh, took him along uh, to church. And we heard from Tobias, uh, a gangster who found new life in a solitary confinement prison cell uh, reading the Bible. And I thought it might actually be helpful uh, this evening to, um, uh, to look at this uh, passage through the story of a new life because uh, Nicodemus is the man who approaches Jesus, doesn't he? And, um, 
Uh, and actually, we have uh, uh, some good evidence about, uh, about how it went with Nicodemus uh, before and after uh, the uh, few words we've seen just now. And by an amazing good fortune, uh, I have actually been able to get hold of a transcript of a mission evening that he did in Israel uh, only a few years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was held in the Tel Viva Conference Center, and the interviewer was no less than Andrew Barpata. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, along with um, Nicodemus were his friends, John the Apostle uh, and um, Joseph of Arimathea. And what we're going to do now is we're just actually going to run that transcript to you um, and then we'll have a few words uh, to reflect by way of a kind of an epilogue afterwards. So, um, so Nicodemus, tell us, uh, what was it like growing up? Uh, well, um, for me, um, yeah, I suppose you could say that there were two big facts uh, in my childhood, uh, really. Uh, one was the Bible, uh, and the other was the Romans. I can actually never remember a time when I didn't have the Bible. Uh, my dad uh, ran a synagogue in Galilee, and uh, I used to read the Bible scrolls they had there uh, after the services. It, was a, it actually was a really exciting book, and um, it told me about uh, the history of my people, and it had loads of laws in it. Um, and there I was. Uh, there was one law, you know, about not doing any work on the Sabbath. I found this quite interesting, and I used to discuss it I said, well, does climbing the stairs count as work on the Sabbath? And I had this thing, can you light a candle uh, on the Sabbath? Can you blow one out? And I had these discussions, and, um, and, and I used to talk about them. And somebody in the synagogue noticed me, and they said, well, you know, if you enjoy this kind of thing, what you ought to do is you ought to go to Pharisee school in Jerusalem. And so I went to this Pharisee school, and it turned out that they had actually tons of extra books um, where they'd already had all these discussions and they'd worked out the answers and I found myself memorizing them uh, and discussing them and finding new things to discuss and actually I was so good at it um, that I soon found myself uh, not only accepted as a Pharisee but I was asked to join the Sanhedrin too um, and, and there were loads of people there who liked just the same things as I did um, uh, yeah, and they, and they had these books, and, and they worked answers to the questions I was asking, and I used to devour these books. Um, and, and I actually could remember more of most of them than, than um, you know, even my teachers, uh, as well as my fellow students. And, and so there I was. I was, a, I was a, a soon a Pharisee and soon on the Sanhedrin. So, so the Sanhedrin, what, what was that all about? Uh, well, uh, it was the Jewish ruling council. <clears throat> um, but actually... Uh, that brings me back to the Romans. You see, the fact is, it was the Romans who had all the real power, just as they do today. Um, and um, they didn't really let us do anything really big in the Sanhedrin. You know, we could kind of confirm rabbi appointments and we could sort of, you know, have regulations about the colors of the ribbons on the scrolls and everything. But um, we didn't really have any, uh, any real power, but we did enjoy the feeling of power. And actually, people used to give money to us uh, we certainly like that. Um, uh, and so, actually, uh, it turned out that the Sanhedrin was a bit of a self-preservation society. 
Um, and in the end, uh, the only thing we cared about was to make sure that the Romans never had any reason uh, to take away our privileges uh, or give them to any other group. Oh, okay, interesting. I, can, I sort of see where this is going now. Um, so tell me what happened when, when Jesus appeared on the scene. Well, um, in truth, uh, most of us were not big fans. Um, I mean, you know, he was making these claims uh, to be the Christ, uh, to be the Messiah, uh, and I have to say, we saw that as competition. Um, and everyone in the Sanhedrin was worried about that. And the other thing was, he would heal people on the Sabbath, and he would do other stuff on the Sabbath. And we were um, there putting all these rules out, and he was flatly ignoring them. And the thing is, the way that he did it made us look stupid. Um, he said that we were hypocrites, uh, and we got it wrong, and we'd forgotten about God, and he made everything look so simple. Um, so that if people followed him, uh, there's no point in having Pharisees uh, or Pharisee school anymore. Um, so we really hated that. So as you can say, most of you weren't sort of big fans, but for you there must have been something about him, different. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing was... Um, I knew somebody who'd been to this wedding in Cana, uh, near my hometown in Galilee. And at this wedding, Jesus had actually turned water into wine. Well, I thought, anyone can claim to be the Messiah, but to actually turn water into wine, well, God must have really been with him. And then actually, a few months later, he came to Jerusalem, and he actually single-handedly changed all the money changers and the market traders uh, out of the temple. And I thought, yeah, he really wants people to get close to God without anything in the way. And for me, these were like signs. Um, they pointed to a man who came from God, a man who was living close to God, and it just seemed that God must be working through him. So you made an important decision at that point. Yeah, I decided I was going to see Jesus uh, because I wanted to be closer to God too uh, and I wanted to ask him about these things. Um, but the uh, Pharisees and the um, rulers were already dead set against Jesus um, and I knew I couldn't um, let them know anything about what I was doing uh, about actually visiting Jesus so, or even what I was thinking. So I went to see him at night um, and there was just him and a couple of disciples there uh, and, of course, John was, uh, was there. He was one of them. Okay, so I can see why you need to be careful. Yep. Okay. Uh, and what was your first impression when you met Jesus? Well, do you know what? Um, I didn't understand a single word he said. Um, I don't even remember most of it. Um, though it, it did all come back when I talked about it later with John. The only thing I remembered at the time uh, was that he said... Uh, that I had to be born again. Well, I say it didn't make sense, but in a way it did, um, because uh, I, he was talking about the spirit and wind and things, and I knew uh, that that was something about the kingdom of God. So I went away um, thinking, well, I might not understand everything he says, but it kind of makes sense. Um, um, you know, he really is showing me the way of God. And, and so I felt that Jesus must be the real deal, even if I didn't uh, completely understand him. Yeah, I've met a few people who've uh, 
said that kind of thing to me. But what happened next? Um, you went home, back to work the next day. What happened next? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I, I carried on as a Pharisee uh, and on the Sanhedrin. But, you know, all the excitement uh, had gone out of it for me. Um, you know, on the one hand, I felt, I felt that my whole institution was actually a bit of a fraud. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, I saw Jesus doing more signs all the time. Uh, and they all pointed to God. Um, and uh, uh, my colleagues, uh, they saw the same things, but all they wanted to do was get Jesus out of the way. Um, I suppose because he uh, kind of exposed their fraud, really, to the people, and he made us uh, worry about what the Romans might do. Okay, so I understand matters came to a head at some points. Uh, yeah, well, uh, they did in my mind, anyway, uh, at the Feast of Tabernacles uh, about a year and a half later. Okay, so what happened then? Well, um, Jesus was there, uh, and all the Pharisees wanted to do uh, was arrest him. Um, well, I said, doesn't our law require us to give him a fair hearing? Um, and they accused me of just being a Galilean. Uh, and no prophet came from Galilee. Oh, well, yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, I can just see John waving. Uh, let's, um, he wants to remind me that he actually wrote that up in chapter 7 of his book. Uh, and it's there in verses 50 to 52. So uh, anyway, these guys who used to be my best buddies, um, they were now trying to insult me by calling me a Galilean. Well, I am actually a Galilean, uh, and I'm totally proud of it. But they were obviously not being friendly uh, the way they were talking. And actually, you know, it wasn't me who was ignorant. Uh, it was them. Um, they were supposed to be the experts in the law, uh, but they'd forgotten um, that Moses said in the law that you have to have a fair trial. Um, and they claimed that no prophet came from Galilee, um, but God said through Isaiah that that's exactly where he would come from, um, uh, you know, from Galilee of the Gentiles by way of the sea. So uh, I have to say, after that incident, things really were never quite the same. Okay, so you mean you wanted, wanted out from the Pharisees? Um, well, actually, uh, it was a bit more complicated than that. Um, see, I mean, I... I mean, these guys were my mates. Um, well, they had been, um, and uh, I didn't know uh, what I would do without them. Um, but then I thought, well, Jesus says, you must be born again. And I thought, well, if I'm born again, I'll have a new family, um, and it'll be a family that doesn't insult me and call me ignorant, um, and it'll be, it'll be a family that, that wouldn't be a fraud, um, uh, but it would really help me get closer to God. And I thought, you know, this family is totally secure. Uh, it's about Jesus Christ. No one can take it away, uh, not even the Romans. And I was thinking about this, and I was just kind of going around in circles, and, uh, well, I wasn't actually really doing very much about it. So what eventually made the difference for you? Well, then the next Passover came only six months later, and this time they were a bit more organized. And this time they engineered that sham trial and uh, Jesus' uh, completely unjust execution. And uh, Joe and I, um, we realized that we just couldn't be part of this any longer. Um, so we left the Pharisees uh, and we went public with our faith in Jesus. You know, actually, God blessed us in bizarre ways even through that because um, it was only because we'd been part of the ruling class that we knew Pontius Pilate and we could go and approach him and ask for Jesus' body. 
And it was only because of the horror of those events that we were really forced to leave that sham life behind us and declare our loyalty to Jesus. Oh, yeah, I can see John's talking again. He says, uh, actually, he wrote that about, uh, up in his book as well. Uh, you can find it in chapter 19, uh, verses 38 to 42. Thank you. Um, anyway, here we are now, and uh, just Joe and me, uh, just, we're just actually ordinary Christians now. Um, and um, uh, we've got hardly a penny to our name, uh, really, these days. Uh, we've given a lot away. Uh, we don't get uh, the same kind of income as we used to. Um, don't want it, frankly. Um, but we're full of joy. And um, because we know Jesus uh, has forgiven us all our sins uh, and he has given us eternal life, um, and yes, we've been born again into a new family. And that's not just here in Israel, uh, but all over the world. Wow. Um, I have just one question. Um, when do you think you were actually born again? Ha. Um, yeah, uh, that's quite interesting. I'm actually not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, God started to wake me up, definitely, when I heard about that wedding in Cana. Um, and then I went to see Jesus, and I kept on thinking, and yeah, it was two years from there when I really went public um, uh, as a Christian. So... It wasn't actually instant. Um, uh, there, were, there, there must have been some kind of processes there. Like it could have been any time in those two years, really. Uh, it could even have been a gradual process over that time. But I, I guess I was definitely born again in the end. Um, and I, I really thank God that he was working in my heart before that. Um, you know, I I'd, uh, I'd started by saying I've always had the Bible in my life, and that's a, a tremendous privilege. Um, and so I had some consciousness of God right from the beginning. And I feel it's like Jesus said to me that night. Uh, it's it, it actually like he said to me that, that evening. Um, it, it's like the wind. Um, you don't know where it's uh, coming from. Uh, you don't know where it's going to. But you do know that it's blowing. You do hear its sound. And, and I felt that, you know, this, it, it, it had got hold of me. And, and so here I am now. Thank you, Nicodemus. Thank you very much for sharing your story uh, with us this evening. Uh, yeah, it's a pleasure. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, um, yeah, there's more in the transcript, but perhaps we should uh, just uh, move on. Um, so, um, you know, that uh, you, you, can, you can chase all that down in the Bible, and, uh, and that, that was Nicodemus's story. Uh, and so, um, it's a great story, isn't it? It's, it's, it's uh, like all the stories we've heard in the last week. It's a great story of God's dealing with an individual. Um, and uh, um, I just thought it might be a little bit more vivid to, to, to put it that way, just uh, given the week that we've had. Um, thanks again, Andrew. So what can we learn? Just a few things, I think, uh, very briefly now. Um, uh, and hopefully when we, when we read um, the, those eight verses again uh, in the Bible, um, it, 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 it comes to life now um, uh, in a way, wh wh why Nicodemus came to light uh, and what Jesus meant um, by the things he said. So the first, I, I just want to say three things. Um, um, uh, and the first is, uh, you know, the central phrase in the passage, you must be born again. 
Um, Jesus came to Nicodemus, uh, sorry, Nicodemus came to Jesus because he saw signs um, that there's more to life uh, than this material world. Um, and he saw that Jesus Christ was the key to that. Uh, and Jesus says, yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, it's brilliant that you're seeing that. But to really see the kingdom of God properly, to really enter into it, um, you do need more than just some changed opinions uh, and just some new talking points. You actually need a whole new life. Um, and that life is given by God uh, through his spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, so natural birth, but spirit gives birth to spirit. And this is the new life um, that Jesus wants us to have. And we're going to see more detail uh, next week that there's a, another reason why we need to be born again. Uh, and that reason is that the kingdom of God is pure, uh, but we are sinful. Uh, and we need our sins dealt with, and that's never going to happen um, with just a promise to try to do better. Uh, that needs a new life too. So we must be born again. And we can be born again. It's horrible being told you must do something, isn't it, without being told how you can do it. But we can be born again. Um, uh, so... Uh, one reason is because, in the end, uh, fundamentally, God does it for us. Uh, his spirit gives birth to spirit. The wind blows. The wind is the same word in, um, uh, as spirit. And, uh, and it does blow, and that makes a difference to us. We actually have uh, some responsibility here too, but it's a very simple responsibility. Um, and that is uh, to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Just a few verses on. In verses 14 and 15 here, uh, chapter 3, Jesus reminds Nicodemus of an incident in Israel's past where all the people had to do was to look at a snake that Moses lifted up on a stick uh, and they'd get better uh, from a horrible fever. And then Jesus said uh, prophetically to Nicodemus there um, that when he would be lifted up uh, on the cross, um, people would look at him. That's all we would need to do. Look at him, put our faith in him, and we would have our sins forgiven and have a new life. So look to him. Um, look uh, in faith. Don't just glance. Um, certainly don't just mock, uh, uh, as many did. And don't even just study. Though actually, Jesus does repay study, and the cross does repay contemplation so, but don't just do that look uh, with the kind of look that says I need you uh, and maybe we can express that look in a prayer uh, it's the simplest thing and that brings me to the next thing we, we can be born again because anybody can do this um, there's nobody who can't do this there's plenty of us can't remember that encyclopedia that Nicodemus remembered but there's nobody who can't say I need you I trust you. Um, and you can do it despite your worries. Um, all of us uh, are leaving stuff behind when we become Christians. Uh, Nicodemus uh, left a lot behind. Uh, he left his mates, though actually by the time he left them, he wasn't so sure that they were his mates. And that's quite important, actually, some of us thinking on that journey. Uh, he left his mates behind, didn't he? Tobias. He left people behind who wanted him in, to stay in the gang. Um, 
uh, and uh, uh, he, he, he had to make decisions about that when he was on the outside and he had to make decisions about that when, especially when he was in prison. And sometimes, um, you know, it's just painful to leave things behind and sometimes it's uh, acutely painful and, 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 uh, and people don't take kindly to it. And, and they, had to, they had to concern, you know, Nicodemus had concerns about that, Tobias had concerns about that. But they came to a point where they knew that it was actually no good to stay. Um, they just uh, trusted God. Uh, that was quite amazing to hear. Uh, I got it second-hand, unfortunately. The testimony from Tobias. He just said, oh, I'm going to leave God to, to deal with this. Um, uh, many, many times in, in uh, on his testimony on Friday evening. And clearly Nicodemus came to that, and that's what we need to do. We need to trust God. And as we leave these things behind, the thing is we actually come in um, to a new family. Um, and so we're, we're, uh, you know, we're born again into the kingdom of God and into a new place and a new family. So we must be born again. We can be born again. And finally, God works as he chooses. Um, you know, uh, we learn in geography at school, don't we, that the prevailing wind is from the west and... Uh, uh, and, and sometimes we think, well, it's as if all wind comes from bearing 270, um, which I think is roughly that direction. So, um, uh, but it, it isn't so, is it? Um, and so all Christian conversions should be like Paul on the Damascus Road. It should be instant new birth, etc., etc. Well, Nicodemus's wasn't like that. All the conversions, all the stories that we heard last week were different. All the stories in this room are different. Maybe there are some that come from roughly bearing 270. But there's a lot that come from all around the compass. And, um, um, and praise God that the wind does blow uh, where it pleases. And, um, and it's God who's working in different people. Each of us is an individual. He handles us individually. He treats us in different ways. Um, and and I, I was reflecting on stories of people I've heard even in the last couple of weeks who've had uh, an, an outside of the mission. Um, uh, amazing different journeys uh, that God has brought them on. Um, and uh, uh, it, it is amazing, but we're, we're, we're out of time, and so I'll draw it to a close um, uh, without, uh, without going through even more examples of the way that God works differently in different people. So um, let's just uh, really sum this up in, in a few words. Praise God um, that he deals with us uh, as individuals, each of us differently. Praise God that we can be born again um, to receive new life with sins forgiven, uh, able to enter the kingdom of God and to be completely secure in that new life. And I pray for all of us who ex have experienced that new birth that we may live out uh, our new lives to the full. And I pray for those of us who feel that we are close to the kingdom of God um, to know that new birth and the joy of entering it. And I pray that in all of this, that Jesus, who loved us, would be honoured. Amen. <laughs>